was our scripture text this morning, found in Luke chapter 1. And so if you want to, uh, you know, just kind of confirm that we're not showing you something that's not biblical, go ahead to open your Bibles, Luke chapter 1. And uh, if you don't have a Bible today, we can help you with that. Our ushers are ready to, uh, to serve you. Just slip your hand up nice and high and keep it up there until someone brings you a Bible and you can follow along with us. We will be looking at a number of texts today, so we love you to have your Bibles open and be able to follow along. The story is in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And so while our ushers are, are handing out the Bibles, let me say welcome to Portico. It's great to have you here today, and uh, we are just thrilled that you've joined us, whether you're here in this room or over in our video cafe. And uh, we are one church, one message, many expressions, have lots going on here every Sunday morning. And uh, our Espanol campus is actually meeting uh, right now as well. And our Milton Regional Campus has met this morning. It's just great to have you here in the room with us and uh, following along. We are going to jump right in. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to have you open to that text in Luke 1 and take out your sermon notes. If you're following along on a smart device, you will notice that uh, the notes are no longer available on version. You're going to have to download our new app, and uh, you can find that in the iTunes uh, App Store or in Google Play. And uh, we encourage you to download our new app, and you can find the notes under this week's message. And uh, this is... Uh, one of the ways that we can get you to download our app and follow along with us. Everything you need is in there, and so we encourage you to do that. story that we've just watched together, this account recording the interaction between a young Jewish girl named Mary and the angel Gabriel, it's, it's a famous one. It's famous the world over, as a matter of fact. It has been told and retold for centuries and is the beginning of the story of that very first Christmas. It's been reenacted in, in Christmas plays and portrayed on the big screen. It's been written about and sung about. And it is very, a very noteworthy story because of all that is represented, because it is the story of the coming of, of Jesus into the world. Very noteworthy story, but although the story is noteworthy, not all of the characters started out that way. As a matter of fact, these were just a handful of of ordinary people. And I think that we can only assume the same of Mary, that Mary was, before the angel's visit, just a normal Jewish teenage girl who had a fairly carefree life. She was, you know, just, just growing up there in her home, as was the Jewish custom. She had learned to cook and care for the household. If she had younger siblings, she would be teaching them how to do some of the same things that her mother had taught her. This would be, you know, good experience for her when she later had children of her own. But we know that she was young when the angel approached her because the traditional age of betrothal was somewhere between 14 and 16 years of age for a young Jewish girl. And we also know that she was a virgin from the same verse, verse 27, that, that talks about the fact that she, was, that she was betrothed to Joseph. So Mary was just an average teenager. She was undoubtedly consumed at this time by you know, plans for the upcoming wedding, as all brides seem to be. I picture her room plastered with pictures of bridal gowns by famous fashion designers who were Jewish. I, I see, uh, you know, her floor strewn with issues of Jerusalem Bride or Israeli Bride Monthly magazine, something like that. I'm sure that her life was taken up with dress fittings and finding the right 
headpiece and picking out flowers and all of those kinds of things that made up being a bride in Israel at the time. And so hers was a relatively happy, carefree kind of existence. She, you know, her, her biggest challenges in life at this point are, are the decisions around this, this wedding and the preparations for what is coming. But what Mary didn't realize was that God had his eye on her for a very special task. And she would very soon become one of the, the stars of Christmas that we are talking about in this series over these few weeks. And within the written lines of Mary's story, between the lines and her encounter with this angelic visitor, we can see some things that God is up to, some things that God is doing in Mary's circumstance. And what God is doing for Mary, he also does for us in our circumstances if we will allow him to. And so I want us to look together and just see what God is up to in Mary's story. And the first thing is, is this, that God sees the innocence of her character. God sees the innocence of her character. In Luke 1 and 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. She's just an ordinary teenage girl. But God saw something more in her. He saw faithfulness. He saw a purity of of heart. Mary had no special skills that we know of, but she was a a young lady who was part of a good Jewish family. She She was being faithful to what she knew to do. And her faithfulness focused around the home. As I mentioned earlier, Jewish girls did not attend synagogue and they were not taught the Torah. Their main religious responsibility or or responsibility around uh, faith was under the direction of their mother, maintaining the kosher kitchen in the home and therefore upholding the many food laws of the Jewish religion. This was a normal part of a Jewish girl's upbringing and learning, and that would be Mary's experience as well. So we understand this morning that in many ways, and to many people perhaps, This would seem like a very random selection for God to choose Mary, other than the significance of her family line. But I want you to know that God does nothing randomly. God does nothing randomly. God has plans. God has plans. He had a very special plan for Mary's life, and he also has plans for your life and for for mine, because he sees us, he he knows us and, and where we are, and he has plans for us. The angel's words, you who are highly favored, reference the fact that God had chosen her to be the earthly mother of his son. And this was truly an immense honor because for hundreds of years, women in Israel had speculated who might be the one to give birth to the Messiah. But God singled out Mary. He took notice of an ordinary person who was being faithful of all the people in Israel at the time who were looking and longing for the Messiah. And in the midst of these long, long 400 years of silence from God, Mary was chosen. God looks for purity of heart. And the angel was saying to Mary, Mary, God has taken notice of your heart. You see, every devout woman in Israel prayed that they might be the one that would give birth to the Messiah. Every devout older parent who was past childbearing in Israel prayed that one of their daughters might be the one to give birth to the Messiah. And every single person in Israel 
was praying for the day when the promised Messiah would come and bring freedom and deliverance and a new world order. And through Mary, God was answering those prayers. 1 Peter 3 and 12. Peter reminds us, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. God heard the prayers of Mary and of Mary's parents and of a nation longing for Messiah. And God hears your prayers too. Maybe you've been praying. You've been thinking that God is not listening and that he's not paying attention. What you need to hear today is that his, his eyes are on you and he is listening. His ears are attentive to your prayer. Second Chronicles 16 and 9 says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's the kind of person that Mary was. God found her to be faithful. Her heart was fully committed to him. And you can say, well, that may be, but what if, what if my heart isn't fully committed? What, what if I'm not innocent like Mary was? What if my character isn't like Mary's? What if I'm still figuring a lot of this stuff out? Does God still see me? You have questions. And that's okay, because Mary had questions too. And that's the second thing I want you to see here, is that God welcomes the sincerity of her questions. He welcomes the sincerity of her questions. At the angel's greeting, Mary's mind was was flooded with anxiety. The text says that she was greatly troubled and wondered, what kind of greeting might this be? What kind of greeting might this be? What does all this mean? The angel's greeting was, it was disturbing to her. It was perplexing. It was also so sudden and so extraordinary that she was filled with anxious thoughts and with questions. And I love that the angel perceives her nervousness, her anxiety. And the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. Everything's going to be all right. Maybe you're here and you're somebody that has questions too. It's normal to have questions for God. And you need to know that he's okay with it. There is a lot about God that is is hard to understand. And like he did with Mary, God welcomes the sincerity of your questions and of my questions. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin, verse 34. How will this be? Mary's one question that that is written here in the text is the first of many that had to be running through her mind. It was the big one, of course. I'm a virgin, I don't understand this. I've never been with a man. It was the biggest question, but it was just the tip of the iceberg. She began, her mind had to have begun to race, thinking, you know, what are my friends gonna think? What is my community going to think of me? What are they going to say in Nazareth about me? What are the, are the social impacts? I'll be the brunt of everyone's gossip. They'll talk about me behind my back. They'll say things about me that aren't nice or that aren't even true. And there's just so many questions that were running through Mary's mind. You can see a number of them on the screen here this morning. How am I going to tell my parents? Will they, will they understand? Will they believe me? And what about Joseph? He's going to be so angry. Will he, will he still go through with the marriage? Will he leave me? Am I going to have to raise this baby alone? And then she asked this question, why me? 
like, am I the only one that something like this is happening to? Am I the only one? And the angel, you know, the angel says, no, you're not the only one. Even Elizabeth, your cousin, is now in her sixth month, and she is going to have a baby. The one who was, who was barren and unable to conceive is, is now expecting, and in her sixth month. Mary asks again, you know, why would God choose me? I'm nobody special. I'm just ordinary Mary, just minding my own business, doing my own thing. I don't understand all this. I don't deserve this. I don't need this aggravation. Why me? And then maybe she asks this question, do I, do I even want God to use me? Am I prepared for what all that might mean for my life? Do I have any idea of all that that entails? Am I ready to have a baby? Am I ready to have a baby? There's a big question. What about morning sickness? Ugh. Right? And, and the, you know, expansion of the body and all of those things that happen when you're, when you're pregnant. I'll have to go through labor pain, she's thinking. I'm not ready for all of this, God. And then the really big one that Mary had to answer. Am I, am I open to what you want to do, God? Am I open to God's purposes for me, no matter what they may be? This is a question that Mary had to wrestle down an answer to right here in the moment. And really, if you think about it, this is the question that, that every single one of us need to have an answer to. Am I prepared to follow God's purposes without having all of the answers to my questions? Am I prepared to follow God's purposes without having all of the answers to my questions? That's what Mary had to decide. And it's what we all have to decide at some point because we all have them. We all have questions. We all have moments when in the midst of struggle or trial or confusion or, or pain, we wonder where is God or we wonder why God isn't doing something. We, we cry out like the psalmist in Psalm 10 and verse 1 who said, Why, Lord, why do you stand far off? And why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? But it's okay. God welcomes the sincerity of our questions if we are truly seeking to understand and to find him in our circumstances. And he wants to reveal himself to us. Your questions can be a means for that to happen. God wants to reveal himself to you. Did you know that, that even if your questions begin from a place of distrust and a place of, of unbelief and skepticism that, that God can still use those to reveal himself to you? I was thinking of Lee Strobel, a well-known author and former pastor of Willow Creek Community Church, but Lee didn't start out that way. He was a legal editor at the Chicago Tribune and a self-proclaimed atheist when one day his wife decided that she was going to go with a friend to this church that she knew about. And so so his wife went to Willow Creek Community Church with her friend, and while she was there, she heard a message, and something happened to her. She gave her life to Jesus Christ, and she, she got very excited about the decision that, that she had made. And, and to hear Lee talk about it, he says, he says she, she came home and she had gone absolutely wacko. Everything was... Jesus, 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 and church, 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 and Willow Creek. And, and, and he said, like, I, I just couldn't stand it anymore. And so Lee decided that he was going to put this to an end. 
And he put his investigative journalistic talents to work, and he set out on a personal quest to ask the big questions and prove to his wife and to himself that this Christianity thing was ridiculous and that God wasn't real. He spent two years, two years asking questions. He talked to biblical educators and historians. He talked to theologians. And when his journey was over, instead of proving that God wasn't real, he had done the opposite. He had become convinced in his heart and his mind that Jesus was a real person and that he had in fact been resurrected from the dead and that the only explanation for all of this was that Jesus was indeed the Son of God and that the Bible and Christianity were true. He still didn't have all the answers, but the evidence was too great to ignore. And he ended up committing his life to Jesus Christ and he became an apologist, a defender of the faith and and a pastor and a lecturer. That's his story because our questions even when they come from a place of unbelief, can lead us to where God can reveal himself to us. So you have questions. That's okay. God welcomes them. He welcomes them. And if you're sincerely on a quest for the truth, you will will find it. He welcomed Mary's questions, and he welcomes yours. You see, Mary came to the point in her initial conversation with the angel where she realized that she was going to have to move forward in spite of her questions. She was going to have to follow God's purpose without having all of the answers. She was going to have to trust, trust that God was with her and that God would do what he said and that everything would be okay just like the angel had said to her. There's a verse that we use often around here. It's, it's my mother's absolute favorite verse. She quoted it to me thousands of times when I was growing up. It's Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. And it simply says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Folks, trust is the key. Trust is what is what propels us out into the unknown. Trust is is what allows us to move forward even when our questions have not all been answered. If we trust him and we don't lean on our own understanding, he will guide our journey. He will direct our path. He will help us and confirm his word to us as we take those steps of faith in God's direction. Amy Grant wrote about Mary in the lyrics to her song, Breath of Heaven, and she gives us some insight into some of what Mary might have been processing on this journey of hers. She writes, I've traveled many moonless nights, cold and and weary, with a babe inside. And I wonder what I've done. Holy Father, you have come and chosen me now to carry your son. I'm waiting in a silent prayer, and I'm frightened by the load I bear in a world as cold as stone, must, must I walk this path alone? Be with me now. Do you wonder as you, as you watch my face if a wiser one should have had my place, but, but I offer all I am for the mercy of your plan. Help me be strong. Help me be, help me. Breath of heaven. Breath of heaven, hold me together. Be forever near me. Breath of heaven, Lighten my darkness and pour over me your holiness, for you are holy. See, Mary was fully trusting in her God. She was moving forward in spite of some very large unanswered and looming questions, and trusting 
propelled her on a journey where she would see God at work and fulfilling his promises over and over again to her in her life. And that brings me to this last thought today, which is this, that God rewards the faithfulness of her actions. God saw the innocence of her character. He welcomed the sincerity of her questions, and he rewards the faithfulness of her actions. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Verse 38, may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. May your word to me be fulfilled. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm in. I, I'm ready. But I need you to help me. I need, I need you to fulfill your word through this journey in my life. The very next verses in the, in the Luke account show Mary hurrying off to visit Elizabeth. And sure enough, when she arrives, Elizabeth is pregnant, just like the angel said. You say, well, they're cousins. They should have, she should have known. But she didn't know because the Bible tells us that Elizabeth stayed in seclusion for five months. And now in her sixth month, the angel has revealed to Mary about, about Elizabeth's pregnancy. And so she goes and she visits. And while she's there, uh, it, is, it is a confirmation from God that what he was doing in Mary was, was real. Because when she arrived, it says that Elizabeth's baby, John, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth prophesied over Mary and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. And it's Mary's first confirmation of what will be many, that God's word was indeed being fulfilled to her. May your word to me be fulfilled, Mary had said. And in this moment, God gives her the confirmation that she needs. Well, we read in verses 46 to 55, what we know as the Magnificat. Mary is is convinced and she begins to worship and she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant and from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary worships God in that moment with Elizabeth there. She's convinced now God is fulfilling his word to her. But it's only the beginning. God continued to confirm what he was doing through all kinds of other signs. You see, Joseph, remember she was worried about Joseph. Joseph also now would be visited in a dream by an angel and then share with Mary a very similar story and experience that she had had. Another confirmation or reward for Mary's faithfulness. Now, remember something. Mary didn't just have to, to trust in her heart. You know, she, she didn't just have to, to sort of acknowledge and trust in her heart. There was more that she had to do. Mary had to step out. She had to to carry a baby inside of her for nine months. And in the last trimester, when she was great with child, ladies, some of you remember what it means like, what it feels like to be great with child, okay? 
I'm not allowed to mention, you know, sizes, I guess. Somebody told me that after last service. But great with child. And she's in her last trimester. And now, not only is she great with child, she's got to get on a donkey and ride 90 miles from Nazareth to Jerusalem, or to Bethlehem, I'm sorry, only to arrive and to find out that, that her husband has forgotten to make a reservation. All the hotels are booked. There is no room for them anywhere in the inn. And so finally they find a place and Mary now is going to give birth in a cave where they keep the animals out behind one of the inns. Trust is always a disposition of the heart. We, we always have to trust in our heart. But also very often trust is the act of obedience. It is the steps of faith that we take in order to prove our trust. You see, sometimes you only have to say, God, I trust you. But sometimes like Mary, you've got to get on the donkey and ride. You've got to get on the donkey and ride. You can, you can quote that one if you want. Trust isn't always just a disposition of the heart. Sometimes you've got to get on the donkey and ride. Mary tra- travailed in labor that night. And the Christ child was born. And there in the stable... Holding the baby, Jesus, in her arms, she must have been overtaken with the complexity of all of her thoughts and all of her emotions. It was so wonderful, and yet at the same time, it was so terrifying. How would she possibly raise God's son? And as she wrapped divinity in swaddling cloths and placed the tiny baby in an animal's food trough, perhaps Questions and doubts began to arise in her mind again. I I don't know. But it was only moments later there was a commotion around the opening of the cave and, and the shepherds arrived with the most incredible of stories. It seemed they had been out watching their flocks in the fields when an angel came to them and, and told them, Don't be afraid. That a baby had been born in Bethlehem in the city of David, who would be the Savior, Christ the Lord. And that the sign would be that the baby would be wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And Mary looked down and she thought to herself, hmm. She looked at the baby wrapped in the swaddling cloths and lying in the manger and she thought, God really does know what he's doing, doesn't he? And Mary received yet another confirmation that her trust in God was being rewarded. The Bible says that she, that she treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. His word to her was being fulfilled. A few days later when Mary and Joseph went to the temple to present their child as was their custom, a man named Simeon was there. Uh, the text tells us he was a righteous and a devout man, someone who was waiting for the consolation of Israel and who was full of the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit had told him that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. And Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to present him. Simeon took that baby Jesus in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, for which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Anna, a prophetess who was also there in the temple, confirmed what Simeon had said. And the Bible says that Joseph and Mary marveled. They marveled. Because God was indeed, indeed still confirming his word to Mary. He was giving them confirmation after confirmation after confirmation that what he was doing in Mary 
What he said he would do was true and that he would be with her. Later the wise men would come and then an angel telling them to flee to Egypt for the child's safety. These were only the beginning of Mary's confirmations. At 12, Jesus would speak of his time with the leaders in the temple by saying, don't you know that that I must be about my father's business, referring to God his father. And then later he grew up to be a man and and he did great miracles. He healed the sick, he raised the dead, he, he made the blind to see and the lame to walk. And Mary watched. Sometimes she she watched from a distance, but she watched as God was rewarding the faithfulness of her faith and her action. Mary had stepped out and moved forward in faith. She had trusted in God. She had trusted in spite of her doubts and her fears and her questions, and God had not disappointed. Folks, it all came down to trusting, really. That's what it's all about. If, If you are a follower of Jesus today, don't miss this. Don't miss what Mary's experience is telling you because God sees you and God has a plan for your life and he welcomes your questions. And if you will step out in faith, if you will trust him in spite of all of those unanswered things, if you will trust him and move forward, God will reward the faithfulness of your actions if you will only do what it is that he is calling you to do today. What is it? What is it that God is asking of you? What is it that you're, that you're holding back about? Do you trust him enough to move forward in spite of your hesitations, in spite of your questions, in spite of your doubts, to step out in faith and see what God will do through you as you do that? Do you trust him enough? I challenge you, if you're feeling, feeling hesitant about that at all, just, just go for it. Just go for it. Just trust God. Because as we trust, his confirmations will come and he will reward the faithfulness of our actions just like he did for Mary. Maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus yet. Know this, that no matter where you're at in your journey, God sees you. He knows you. He knows where, you're, where you are. He, he saw the innocence of Mary's character and he sees you today just as you are with all of your flaws and with all of your issues and your problems, with, with all of your baggage and your doubts. And he welcomes your questions. And he is just waiting, waiting to reward the faithfulness of your actions if you will simply step out in faith and trust him this morning. If you will trust him, He will confirm his word as you begin to grow and you begin to follow him along that journey, just like he did with Mary. And I want to challenge you today. Trust him. Believe in your heart. Believe in your heart that the baby born in the manger, all of those many years ago, also died on a cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins and have everlasting life. Just believe. Just trust him. And he will do the rest this morning. He will do the rest. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for, uh, Lord, this amazing story and for Mary's, Mary's incredible example to all of us. And God, I pray today for some who are in this room and they just need to take a step of faith today because you've, you've called them to do something. You've asked them to step out in faith. You've, you've, Lord, moved them toward a journey that you have for them. And they're just, they're just waiting. They're hesitating because they've got questions. Lord, today, if they, if they follow you, all they need to do is step out and trust. And we know that you will confirm your word. And then, God, I pray for some who may be in this room who've never said yes to Jesus. 
God, who've never started along a journey of, of faith with you, who have never opened up their heart and allowed you to come and live inside them. And Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, just in this moment, that you will speak to hearts. God, that you will open hearts to, to be receptive, Lord, to your invitation. Because you are waiting with arms open wide and saying, just believe in me. Just trust me. I see you. I know you. All I need is for you to trust me. And I will confirm my word as we move forward on a journey together. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you've never taken that step, you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never opened up your heart and begun a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you today. Today is your day. Today is the day that you can begin, that you can start, that you can say yes to Jesus. And if you step out in faith and just trust him today, I know that God will confirm his word in your heart as you take that step of faith this morning. So if you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me, I need to say yes to Jesus this morning. Would you just raise your hand? All I want to do is pray for you. Yes, thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Yes, thank you. You can put them down. Anyone else this morning? Yes. You just need to take that step of faith. You just need to trust him today. And if you trust him, if you trust him, if you open up your heart, he will come. Anyone else, just before we pray, this morning. So I need to say yes to Jesus today. Yes, thank you. You can put those down. Heavenly Father, thank you today for your incredible grace and for your Holy Spirit that, that draws us and that speaks to our hearts. Lord, I pray for these that have raised their hands this morning that you will, God, help them just in this moment to just pray a simple, quiet little prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I want to say yes to you today. I want to invite you to come and be a part of my life, to, to live inside me. God, I want to trust you today and begin a journey of faith. Lord, I, I don't know all the answers, but I know, I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God, that you died and that you rose again, and that you want to have a relationship with me. And, and as you pray that prayer this morning, God is, God is filling your hearts even now by his Holy Spirit. And I challenge you, tell someone about the decision that you made today. Father, have your hand upon each one, each one, Lord, who has prayed that prayer today. Give them the courage to tell somebody about what they did this morning or to stop at our, our yes station in just a little while when we finish our service. But God, help them, Lord, to make this the beginning of an incredible journey, God, where you will continually confirm, Lord, in their hearts this thing that you have called them to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for meeting with us here today. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen.